Hi, welcome to the Dan Bradbury podcast where turnover is vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. In this podcast, I'll bring you resources, tips, interviews, and lots more to help to grow your business and make it less dependent on you. Hey guys, in this episode, I'm super excited to be talking about the key lessons learned from this year's Ultimate Entrepreneurs Award. So earlier on in this podcast series, I did eight interviews with the finalists for this competition, which ultimately is an annual competition to celebrate entrepreneurs and the progress that they've made. And that's never been more true than in the last 12, 18 months with the COVID-19 pandemic. So we had eight finalists that you can go back in the podcast listings to, to listen to. That's Sonia Gill, Lisa Cato, Alistair Broom, Alexis Kingsbury, Salvatore Nataro, Rob Stone, Chris Matthews, and Georgia Kirk. Now, these are all kinds of different businesses. Some are B2B, some are B2C, service-based, product-based, UK or international selling in in dozens of countries worldwide. So it's a huge variety of businesses from six figures up through eight figures and seven figure profits. The reason why I ran this competition was I was looking for patterns. I was looking for traits because I believe that entrepreneurs at their best are solving the world's problems. So no matter what happens, they they find a way. You probably heard the expression that if you took all the money off the richest people in the world very quickly, they would find a way to get it all back again. Because money is the effect. The root cause is the skill set and how they handle different external environments. So when we had this competition last month and these eight people were on stage, Warwick conferences, where I hold my mastermind events, where they were bidding for the, uh, or they were pitching for the uh, audience vote to decide who was going to be crowned the ultimate entrepreneur, there were three key lessons that I found to be consistent across all eight finalists. So here they are. Lesson number one is they were all opportunists in the face of crisis. What do I mean? Well, some of these business owners, for example, uh, Alistair Broom and Rob Stone, in fact, multiple of them, did business in people's homes. So Alistair Broom from Garage Flex. Uh, he would go into people's garages and, or his team would and transform them into beautiful storage spaces or living spaces. Uh, so therefore, they needed to switch business models. Now, it, that was a necessity, but they, they recognized it was also a competitive advantage because if it's hard, most people aren't going to do it. The competition, I mean, if you look at it, in a lot of cases, it's very weak. People give up very easily. So what these people did, uh, what Sonia Gill did, is uh, she was doing face-to-face work in schools. And remember, that's the first pandemic. Everybody was sent home and schools were closed for all but the children of key workers. So they pivoted. They switched business models and found a way to make it work online in most cases. That's how they were opportunists. But inside of that, they never stopped marketing. So even while they were figuring that out, and we'll come back to that in lesson two, even while they were figuring out the transition, they never stopped marketing. Whilst it's appropriate to mitigate the damage from the risks, these people recognized there was high leverage upside opportunity to be gained from continuing to market when other people stopped. Okay, So this was really about external focus. So externally, there's a crisis, but If the entrepreneur, if you can adapt quickly, you can take advantage and you'll be ahead of the competition. So lesson one was being an opportunist in the face of crisis. Lesson two 
was that they all doubled down on high leverage activities. What do I mean? So they cut out the unnecessary because there was so much change going on. They cut out things that were a distraction of focus and they focused with laser-like intensity on the things that had to happen. So most commonly, this showed up in the era of new technology, right? They had, uh, for example, Sonia Gill, uh, who I mentioned before, and Chris Matthews, who had a series of weight loss clinics. Chris used to, as part of his service, would give food meal replacement products to his patients in his eight different clinics face-to-face. And so they needed to figure out what they were going to do. So they switched business models, and Chris built an online store, an e-commerce store where the patients could order their meal replacement supplements online. But rather than take ages and months, this was done in a matter of days. Different way of thinking about this is they thought from an 80-20 perspective, 80-20 rule. You know, what are the 20% of activities that produce 80% of the results? But that's true to the second power as well. The 80-20 rule is fractal. So what's the top 20% of the top 20% produces 8% of the 8%. So that breaks down to 4% of activities is responsible for over 60% of the results. It's asymmetrical or disproportionate effort versus reward, right? So they got very, very high leverage on figuring out how to They could see more clients, for example, if they were doing sales consultations online rather than face-to-face. They could shift more products, in Chris Matthews' case, by centralizing all their stock and having an e-commerce store. So it reduced cost and increased revenue. And then that ties in perfectly with the third lesson. So lesson one was they were opportunistic in the face of crisis. Lesson number two was they doubled down on the high leverage activities. This is the internal focus. So the opportunities was the external focus. Figuring out what the high leverage activities were was the internal focus. And finally, lesson three, they were people mad. Every single finalist raved about their teams and or the key managers of their business. Alexis Kingsbury, Rob Stone, George Kirk all spoke about their senior management team or how critical their people were, because it's your people that give you leverage. In other words, the growth wouldn't have happened without these A players. Everybody either knows intimately or knows of a business where the staff were in it for themselves, you know, where they were scared and they didn't metaphorically crawl over broken glass or do whatever it took to help the business succeed. So these people are critical. So specifically, I'm talking about A players. A players, that's defined as the top 15% of performers by any pay grade, right? So I think the lesson is, A, you need to get clear on how you're going to hire A players. And secondly, you need to know how to lead your people. Once they're on your team, you need to know how to lead them well to get the best out of them. And so on that lesson about being people-focused and and team-focused and building a team full of A players, I'm often asked what books, etc., are helpful for hiring, recruiting, and leading A players. And whilst there are books, you know, books like Who by Jeff Smart, uh, like Multipliers by Liz Wiseman, which are tremendously helpful, the fact is you can't learn leadership and really know it from a book. You need to be out there and doing it. You need to get feedback. You need to be mentored. It's helpful to learn vicariously through the mistakes and the wins of others. So books are helpful. Podcasts like this are helpful. This is why I'm trying to condense these lessons down for you so you know where to focus. But ultimately, 
interaction and you getting direct feedback is critical. It's paramount. I believe your company will never sustainably outgrow its leaders' development, right? So if the leaders at the top of a company stagnate, the company stagnates. You know, sometimes companies can get lucky because of a break in the marketplace and business booms despite the management not getting much better. But it doesn't stay that way, right? It reverts to the mean over time. So if the company is to sustainably grow over time ahead of the competition, if the company is to grow, you must grow. So it's helpful not just to have mentors who can coach you specifically, but, but that's why I'm so evangelical about masterminding. Because masterminding gives you an opportunity to, to get multiple different reference points, to learn from people like Sonia, Lisa, Alistair, Alexis, Salvatore, Rob, Chris, and Georgia, and how they thrived, and also the mistakes that they made. You don't get paid more just because you did it the longer and harder way, right? So you may as well learn vicariously through others because nobody's got unlimited capital or time. That is why uh, you've got to surround yourself with great people. You know, Tim Ferriss, I heard on Tim Ferriss' interview recently, he was said if he had, if he could have a billboard that he could put a message out metaphorically to billions of people, what would it, what would it say? And for Tim, uh, for our work week fame, the, the quote he would put on the billboard is you become the average of the five people you most associate with. And I think that's very, very true. So I think you need to choose carefully about who you're going to associate with in business to push you to the next level of growth. And I think it's very wise to associate with the kind of people that are ultimate entrepreneurs. That's it for this week. I'll see you next time. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Three things you need to do now. Number one, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss an episode. Also, get on over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity, Nine and a Half Steps to Improving Your Profits and Cash Flow. Also, join our Facebook group, the Turnover is Vanity, Profit is Sanity community to connect with other business owners.